0: Thank you the Heavenly Father for allowing us to see another day the Heavenly Father we come to you with a broken and contrite spirit the Heavenly Father lowly and humble. the Heavenly Father Lord we are totally dependent upon you the Heavenly Father and we pray this morning the Heavenly Father that we will have the favor of God and the favor of man on the lives of everyone here in this building today the Heavenly Father the Lord we ask that you will please put a hedge protection round about us and our families the heavenly father protect us from all hurt harm or danger protect us from enemies that are seen protect us from enemies that are not not seen protect us and our loved ones from treachery harm and deceit the heavenly father protect them from illness and injury the heavenly father the lord we pray the heavenly father that you will bless us in accordance with your word where we are obedient to your word the heavenly father we will be careful to give you the credit, the praise, the honor, and the glory which you so richly deserve, and the worship that you so richly deserve. In the name of our Lord and Savior, Yeshua HaMashiach, we pray, amen. Shabbat shalom. My name is Gary, and um, I have the privilege of speaking to you this morning. I'd like to give special thanks to Rabbi Scott and Rabbi Zain Judy for giving me the opportunity to to do the 10 a.m. teaching this morning. Um, I'm a prior military person, and and that made a strong impact on the personality that I have, and. This is going to be somewhat in the form of a a briefing or a situation report about where I think America is today and what we might be looking forward to somewhat going forward in the future. So I titled this, um, this talk, When God Abandons a Nation. One of the benefits I get from delivering this type of talk is that it always ministers to me in a very powerful and dynamic way, and I hope it does to you as well. Um, I'm sure that it'll affect me much more greater than those of you that are listening, because when you get into the in-depth study of the Word, it does, um, it convicts you and it advances you spiritually. Um, the first um, Bible verse that I'd like to address or look at is um, Proverbs 1, verses 20 through 33. It says, starting at verse 20, Wisdom calls aloud outside. She raises her voice in the open square. She cries out in the chief concourse at the opening of the gates in the city. She speaks her word. How long, you simple ones, will you love simplicity? Scorners delight in their scorning, and fools hate knowledge. Turn at my rebuke. Surely I will pour out my spirit on you to make my words known to you. Because I have called and you have refused, I have stretched out my hand and no one regarded. Because you discard all my counsel and would have none of my rebuke, I will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when your terror comes, when your terror comes like a, when your terror c- comes like a storm and your destruction comes like a whirlwind, when distress and anguish come upon you, then they will call on me, but I will not answer. They will seek me diligently, but they will not find me. Because they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord, they would have none of my counsel and despise my every rebuke. Therefore, they shall eat of their own way and be filled to the full with their own fancies, for the turning away of the simple will slay them, and the complacency of fools will destroy them. But whoever listens to me will dwell safely and will be secure without fear of evil this passage is a warning to all those folks who reject God verses 24-26 say because you have disdained all my counsel and you will have none of my rebuke I will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when your. I will mock when your terror c- comes. Verse twenty-nine through thirty says, "Because they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord, they would have none of my counsel and despise my every rebuke. Therefore, they shall eat the fruit of their own way and be filled with the full of their own fancies." So the punishment is that they will eat the fruit of their own way. What exactly does that mean? Well, I'm going to give you the Gary Kennemore translation of this, this verse. In my translation, God is saying this, Since you laugh at my counsel and make a joke of my advice, how can I take you seriously? What if catastrophe strikes and there's nothing to show for your life but rubbles and ashes who are you gonna turn to then because you hated knowledge and wanted nothing to do with the fear of God don't don't be surprised when I don't come running to your rescue I'm not your magic genie in a bottle on that day I'm gonna say to you you made your bed now go lie in it it's a dangerous thing to be abandoned by God One of the most familiar passages in the Bible is the story of Samson. According to the Bible, Samson was the strongest man who ever lived. And the interesting thing about Samson was, Samson was a real person. You can actually go to Samson's gravesite. You can actually travel there and visit the gravesite of Samson. He was a real-life Hercules. He lived from 12,000 to 10,000 B.C. In the book of Judges, chapter 14, verse 7 says, A young lion came roaring up against him, speaking of Samson, and the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him, and he tore the lion apart as one would have torn apart a young goat, though he had nothing in his hand. Samson killed a full-grown lion with his bare hands. No weapon, no knife. With his bare hands killed a lion. In um, chapter 15 of Judges, verse 15, it says that Samson killed a thousand men with the jawbone of a donkey. Not a sword, not a spear, a jawbone of a donkey. In short, Samson was a very powerful man. He did have... One particularly strong weakness, though, he had a weakness for women. In chapter 16, verse 1, it says that he had relationships with a prostitute. Not a particularly um, proud thing to say for a young Jewish boy that was supposed to be a leader of of his nation to have such a claim made against him. In verse 18, a woman named Delilah tricked him into revealing the source of his great strength. It reads, When Delilah saw that he told her all his heart, she sent and called for the Lord of the Philistines, saying, Come up once more, for he has told me all his heart. So the lords of the Philistines came up to her, and they brought money in their hand. Verse 18 through 20 says, Then she lulled him to sleep on her knees, and she called for a man and had him shave off the seven locks of um, Samson's hair. Then they began to torment, and his strength left him. the next verse says and she said the Philistines are upon you Samson so he woke from his sleep and he said I will go out before you as of other times and shake myself free but the Bible says this but Samson did not know that the Lord had departed from him but he did not know that the Lord had departed from him. That's a very crucial part of that story. It wasn't the hair that was making Samson so powerful. It was the spirit of the Lord that was making him powerful. When he shaved off the hair, that was, shaved off his, when he had his hair shaved off, that was an act of disobedience. But the strength did not leave him at that point the strength left him when the spirit of the lord departed from him after the lord abandoned Sam- samson his enemies captured him and gouged out his eyes they blinded they chained him to a they blinded him they chained him to a millstone and they made him grind mill like an animal it is a very dangerous thing to be abandoned by god The fact of the matter is, and the subject of today's talk, is that entire nations can be abandoned by God. The history, the entire history of the world is about God's judgment of mankind's sin. In Genesis 7, God destroyed all mankind in the great flood except for Noah and his immediate family. In Genesis 19, God destroyed all the inhabitants of Sodom and Gomorrah except for one man named Lot and his two daughters. In Joshua, 6, God in Joshua 6, God instructed Joshua to destroy every living thing in Jericho except for Rahab and her family. The book of Romans, chapter 1, verses 18 through 33 chronicles the pattern of events that follows when God abandons a nation. Verse 18 reads, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in righteousness. So it's talking here about the subject known as the wrath of God. The wrath of God is the worst thing that can befall a person. There's nothing that anyone can do more devastating than to have the wrath of God fall on them. It's the wrath of God that puts people in hell when they live a godless life and they don't meet the criteria that it takes to become saved, I'm not going to go into that, but when you fail to live up to the standards that it requires to, to be saved, it's the wrath of God that sends you to hell. There's nothing more devastating, nothing that you can endure than the wrath of God. it says that the wrath of God is revealed. So the wrath of God is not hidden from us. It's not something that is mystical or that you have to have years and years of study to understand. Um, One of the things I like about coming to Beth Adonai, and this is the teaching of Rabbi Scott, and he says that the Bible, the Lord, is able to make his his intentions and his um his will easily understandable to us you can just read the bible it's very black and white it's very plain i think there's a um, there's a subject where you take the 50th letter of the bible and you extract it from the bible the, the fifth every 50th letter and you extract that from the bible and you can get a hidden message from the bible from that well i don't really ascribe to that I don't think God needs to encode his messages for us to understand what he wants us to understand and that's what this says it says the wrath of God is revealed from heaven it's it's not disguised it's it's plainly evident in society throughout the course of human history where people have um, turned away from God turned their back on God In fact, I plan to demonstrate that the wrath of God is currently being revealed in America today against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of those who suppress the truth. But first, we need to understand, why is the wrath of God being revealed? Paul, the author of Romans, says, It is revealed because men suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Truth is one of the most powerful forces on earth because the truth cannot be changed. As a student, math was always my favorite subject. I excelled at it. I got scholarships to college because I was good at math. I couldn't shoot basketballs, and I wasn't really good at football, but I could do math. And the thing that I love the most about math is there's no ambiguity to it. There's no gray areas to it. There's no, it's not wishy-washy. It's solid and it's concrete. One plus one, it always equals two. Two times two, it always equals four. It does not matter if you're underwater in a submarine or if you're at, Six miles and six miles high in the air in an in airplane, mathematical principles are constant, rock, solid, constant. They always are consistent. The truth is the same way. You can have different theories. You can have different hypotheses or philosoph- philosoph- philosophies but there is only one truth. It is rock solid, it is unchangeable. A fact is either the truth or it is not. The main reason that I have been a member of Congregation Beth Adonai for 12 years is because here the Bible is exalted as the truth. The divinely inspired infallible word of God from Genesis to Revelations. At Beth Adonai, the Holy Scripture is the final authority concerning theological matters, not the rabbis, not the deacons, or not some other governing board. It is the Bible. Going all the way back to the beginning of creation in Genesis 3, Satan's assault has always been on the truth. Genesis 3 reads now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made and he said to the woman has God indeed said you shall not eat of the tree of the garden of course Eve knew that God said do not, do not eat of the tree of the garden of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil it was the only prohibition that they had in their entire life they had one prohibition don't eat from this tree. She, Of course she knew it. Well, the story ends with Adam and Eve being evicted from their home, the Garden of Eden, death and depravity entering into creation. But the root cause of the problem was the assault on the truth. And the root cause of our problems today are the same thing. An assault on on the truth. Does God really mean it when he says he wants us to keep his statutes, his commandments, his moadim, appointed times, his word? I think he does. In much of America today, biblical teaching is being maligned as hate speech. Government regulations of this, quote, hate speech is ultimately an effort to enforce politically correct thinking. The church does not fare much better. Many, but not all of them, mistakenly label the Old Testament as legalism and in effect classify two-thirds of the Bible as null and void. The two-thirds, by the way, that contains the Ten Commandments and the section on tithing. All this, despite Yeshua himself saying that he did not come to abolish the, abolish the Torah or the prophets. He said that twice. Pretty good authority, Yeshua. Yeshua. In 2 Timothy 3.16, Paul said, who wrote most of the New Testament? In 2 Timothy 3.16, Paul said, all scripture is given by the inspiration of God. It's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. And the Old Testament, the Tanakh was the only scripture he had when he made that comment. The Greek word for suppress, the Greek word suppress is kateko. Kateko literally means to hold down, to restrain, or to hinder. If we do not receive the truth, we are suppressing it. Disobedience of the word is suppressing the truth. When God's righteousness is revealed to us, but we we refuse to receive it, we are, in fact, suppressing the truth. This is why we are experiencing the wrath of God. The um, The rest of Romans 1 goes on to explain... How we experience the wrath of God. After Paul explains why the wrath of God is revealed from heaven, he goes on to reveal how that wrath is revealed. Verse Romans 1, verse 24 says, Therefore, God gave them up to the uncleanness and the lust of their hearts to dishonor their bodies among themselves who exchanged the truth of God for the lie and worship and serve the creator rather than the creature who is blessed forever. Amen. That's the wrath of God. That is the wrath of God that is revealed. Therefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness. The Greek word for gave up in this verse is paradidomi. It's a legal term. It means to be delivered into custody for sentencing and punishment. In Luke 18.32, it is the word used to describe Yeshua being returned over to Pontius Pilate for crucifixion. The word says, for he, meaning Yeshua, will be delivered to the Gentiles and will be mocked and insulted and spit upon. To explain Romans 1 verse 24, I'm going to, Apply Gary Kinnamore's translation to it again. Verse 1, in my layman's terms, is In times past, because of the uncleanliness and lust in a nation's heart, God gave up on them. God gave up on them. In other words, God abandoned them and says, Okay, since you prefer your sin to righteous living, I will no longer restrain you. I will permit you to dishonor your bodies among yourselves. A similar judgment occurred in Numbers eleven eighteen through 20. Numbers 18, 11, verses 18 through 20. The Lord heard when you wailed, if only we had meat to eat, we were better off at Egypt. Now the Lord will give you meat, and you will eat it. You will not eat it just one day, or two days, or five days, or twenty days, or ten days, or twenty days. But for a whole month until it comes out of your mouth and you loathe it because you have rejected the Lord who is among you and you have wailed before him saying, why did we ever leave Egypt? But while the meat was still between their teeth and before it could be consumed, the anger of the Lord burned against the people and he struck them with a severe plague. The Lord said in numbers, because you sinned against me and you asked for this foreign food, I'm going to give you all you want. I'm going to let you have it to your heart's content. And that's what Romans 1 is saying. Because you prefer sin over obedience to me, I'm going to give you what you asked for. I'm going to let you have sin. You're going to have sin Till it's running over, till your cup runneth over. You're going to get to go and do anything that you're big and bad enough to do. That's the wrath of God. That is the outpouring of the wrath of God when he says that your sin is going to cause you to have greater and more sin. The United States is currently suffering under the wrath of God's abandonment. He says, you want your sin? Okay. We're going to let you have your sin. Paul says that this wrath of God comes in stages. According to the word of Romans 1, verse 18, the wrath of God is is instituted to a society in stages. And it's not just the United States. All great societies before that have that have risen and declined have declined in the same like manner that we're declining in right now. This, this, um, this abandonment of God on the society when it becomes sinful is repeated throughout history with the Romans, the Greeks, the Egyptians. The first stage of abandonment begins with a sexual revolution. In America, this sexual revolution began in the 1960s with what I'll label for lack of a better term, the hippie movement. Free love was the was the um catchword. A popular song was It's Your Thing. Do what you want to do. I don't care who you sock it to. That was a very popular song in the 60s. It's your thing, do whatever you want to do. And then there was of course the term flower power, which was code word for drug usage. These became the mantras of the day It's very interesting to me how if you add one letter to the word mantra that you get the word man-trap. During this era, Hugh Hefner founded the Playboy magazine, a publication with revealing photographs. This, among Christian folks, provoked the charge of obscenity, but it fell on death's ears. His first magazine in 1953 sold 50,000 copies. By 1991, the first year of the World Wide Web, there were still fewer of these, there were still fewer than 90 of these X-rated publications. Today, in 2019, there are 2.5 million Adult websites in the United States alone with about 35 million viewers. That's one in four internet subscribers. Psychology Today reporting on a study that included officials from the major search engines estimate that 10 to 15% of all internet searches involve pornography. A major problem with pornography is that, in reality, it's a form of sexual exploitation. It is widely believed that pornography is a gateway to more malicious types of sexual exploitation, such as prostitution, child abuse, human trafficking, rape, and more. Obscene material is a social evil that erodes the moral values of a country. It destroys intimacy in marriages. It wreaks havoc on families. Women involved in pornography often become drug addicts, prostitutes, or commit suicide when their exploiter discards them. But the greatest danger of internet pornography is that it happens in relative obscurity, in the privacy of a person's own abode, Hidden by anonymity, the perpetrator is free to indulge indulge themselves in whatever wickedness their imagination can conceive of. The sinner's sheer conscience loses any restraint that he may have held previously, sending him plummeting in the depths of his own depravity the wrath of God. Because you chose sin, we'll let you have all you want. You can sink as deep as you want to go. The second stage of God's abandoning of a nation is a homosexual revolution. Romans 1, verses 26 through 27 reads, For this reason, God gave them up. Second time he said, I'm giving up on you. This is the second time God has given up on them. For this reason, God gave them up to vile passions. For even their women exchanged the natural use for what is against nature. Verse 27 Likewise the men, likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lusts for one another, men with men committing what is shameful and receiving in themselves the penalty of their error, which was due. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a debased mind to do those things which are not fitting. This section of the scripture is really self-explanatory. I didn't write it. I just read it directly from the Bible. It's what the Bible says. Peace it repeats the phrase that God gave them up or in my own ways in my own words God gave up on them indicating that this is phase two of God's abandonment of a nation there comes a point in life where God no longer tolerates our sin he is a patient and loving father But he is also a just God. He is capable and willing to dispense judgment where it is warranted. Paul, the author of Roman, indicates that when you use this type of behavior, Paul, the author of Roman, indicates that when you see this type of behavior going on in a society, you are in fact witnessing God's judgment on a nation. On June the 26th, 2015, the United States Supreme Court held in a five to four decision that the 14th Amendment of the Constitution requires all states to grant same-sex marriages and recognize same-sex marriages granted in other states. The final stage of God's abandonment, the final stage of God's abandoning a nation it's when that nation no longer tolerates righteous indignation against its sin. Romans eight twenty-eight through 32 reads, And even as they did not like to retain God in the knowledge, God gave them over to a debased mind, to do those things which are not fitting. Being filled with all unrighteousness, sexual immorality, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, evil-mindedness, they are whisperers. Backbiters, haters of God, violent, proud, boasters, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, undiscerning, untrustworthy, unloving, unforgiving, unmerciful. Who, knowing the righteous judgment of God, that those who practice such things are deserving of death, not only do the same, but also approve of those who practice them. This is what a serious consciousness leads to. This is where this goes. This is where this ends. The one that stuck out to me the most was verse 28. And it said, God gave them over to a debased mind. The Greek word for debased is adokimos. It literally means depraved, unfit, reprobate. In a word, worthless. God gave them over to a worthless mind. I don't want that adjective applied to me. I don't want to be called, in the eyes of God, Worthless. The very freedom from God that the sinner longs for, God finally permits them to have. Through repeated exposure to evil, a person's sense of right and wrong can become numb to the point that a person can no longer easily distinguish between good and evil. On October the 1st, 2017, in Las Vegas, Nevada, a lone gunman, I will not acknowledge him by saying his name, took an elevator to the 32nd floor of the Mandalay Bay Casino and fired a high powered automatic rifle into a crowd of 22,000 innocent people as they were enjoying an evening concert, killing 58 people and injuring 700. Witnesses say the shooting lasted between 10 and 15 minutes. That's automatic fire. That's every time he pulls the trigger, the gun continues to fire until he reloads it. And the news media, when they reported it, they said, I wonder what his motivation for doing that was. His own motivation was he was evil. (laughs) You you can't explain this on a psychological um, problem, a mental disease. This person had a depraved mind. This was evil. This is where, turning our back on the Bible, this is where it takes people. On June the 12th, 2016, a man went on a shooting rampage inside The Pulse, a gay nightclub in Orlando, Florida, killing 49 people and injuring 50 more simply because they were gay, and he did not like it. God tells us to love People hate sin but love the people. He was not stopped on, on his rampage until Orlando SWAT police entered into the atrocity and killed him. That's what made him stop when they killed him. On August 3rd, 2019, a long gunman killed 22,000 people in a mass shooting while they were shopping at Walmart in El Paso, Texas, simply because they were Hispanic. Depravity, depraved mind. But the most tragic one to me, and they're all tragic. This is senseless. It's tragic. On December the 14th, 2012, a lone gunman entered Sandy Hook Elementary School in Newton, Connecticut, and murdered 20 children, ages, ages 6 and 7, along with six adults, six adult school staff and faculty, before turning the gun on himself. He did this atrocity after he murdered his own mother. This bo- that one bothered me for a long time. It, I cried. It bothered me for a very long time. We are never more like Satan than than when we take an innocent life. The Bible says a thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. We are never more like Yeshua than when we forgive. While he was nailed to a piece of wood, while he was nailed to a cross, he said, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. While the men on the ground were rolling dice, gambling to see who would get his clothing. America is in the throes of God's wrath and the interesting thing to me is that Paul wrote Romans 1 1 1900 years ago it's like you're reading a newspaper when you're reading it Romans 1, it's like you're reading today's newspaper he wrote that 1900 years ago America is desperately needs a revival. I'm not a prophet, so I dare not predict where America is going as a country. The penalty for being wrong as a prophet is being stoned by rocks, and I really don't want to go there. However, if the story of Samson is an indicator of one's fate, after the Lord departs from them, I'd be concerned about it. Because it didn't finish well for Samson. Fortunately, the Lord always leaves a remnant. And for this country, that's people like you at Congregation Beth Adonai and other churches that still feel God. Personally, I am proud to be included in your ranks. Thank you for listening to my presentation. Proverbs 123 says, "Turn at my rebuke; surely I will pour out my spirit on you. I will make your words known; I will make my words known to you." I would like to thank Rabbi Scott, Rabbi Zane Judy Rabbi Rene and Rabbi Rabbi Rabbazine Anna and all the leaders and teachers at Beth Adonai that have instructed me over the course of many years people that have let me sit in on their Torah club teaching people that have led Torah club teachings people that have done 10 a.m. classes and I've been privileged to sit in and listen to you. I want to personally thank you for for your service. It has made a deep impact and a change, dare I say, a change on my life. I hope I have not disappointed you about so long.